Hey, everybody. Good. Well, it's morning here. I was about to say good morning, but uh, I have no <laughs> idea what time it is where you're listening to this. So, hey, hope you're having an awesome day. We're going to talk about something that's one of my favorite topics today. You know what it is? It's about significance. It's about going from success in our life to significance. And the way Tommy frames it, it's about being legendary. And I love just what that even implies. So, Tommy Breedlove, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast, my friend. John, what an honor, brother. Uh, great pre-chat. So excited to share the stage with you and uh, serve your audience and uh, lean in. Well, I'm looking forward to it too. And time and I were chatting. There's a whole bunch of folks uh, that we know in common, but we hadn't met yet until we got connected for this through a friend. So here, a little background, Tommy, right? You are currently your Wall Street Journal, USA Today, your best-selling author. Uh, your book is legendary. Uh, that's not only is it legendary, but that everybody listening, that's the name of the book too. So just want to be clear. <laughs> so you're in Atlanta. You're yes. a business relationship and mindset coach. So we do a lot of the, the same work. Um, but I'm really excited to learn from you today some of the things that you do to really take high capacity, high performing. Uh, you work with men and really break through some of the stuff that hold them back and knock them to the next level. You do a lot of keynote speaking at big global events, and we might dig into this a little bit, so everybody listening. Uh, Tommy has a long corporate career, over 20 years, and a financial consultant, so we've done some of that together. He was a shareholder. He was an international practice leader, member of the board. He's on all these public accounting firms, so I know that you're wicked smart. Uh, if you can do any of that stuff, my goodness, I was an engineer, but uh, you probably don't want me handling your numbers. But here's something interesting. So listen out there, right? At the top of your career, that you had something that happened to you, and you mm -hmm. walked away from the corporate world, and you realized that you had the power to rewrite your script and actually do what you wanted to do, which I think a lot of us is why we feel this tension and this mediocrity, because we're almost stuck in a certain place and you did it and you followed your true calling in doing that you've built a movement, you've empowered people, you've built financial security and you've done it by creating a process and having tools. So I'm re really excited to kind of talk about, cause I think right now with a lot of stuff going on in the world, right, Tommy, that people are going, okay, this kind of makes me realize, how about this? I was just deemed non-essential. My whole <laughs> life, my work, everything I do, 40 hours a week, I'm not allowed to do it because I'm not essential. So maybe I'm thinking to myself, well, what if I went and did something that's essential to me and my family, regardless of what the world thinks, other than the essential piece that I really needed a paycheck. But, but with that, Tommy, I'd love for you to maybe hit rewind a little bit and go back and kind of walk us through your journey. And we can talk about how you got to what you're doing today. Absolutely. <clears throat> Thank you for that, John. And uh, that's so interesting. Some of the labels we use in our media and society kind of hit home inside that soul a little bit, right? I'm not essential. Well, let me assure every human being, man, woman listening to this podcast, you are essential. And what John was talking about is if there's something that you 
find yourself looking up at the stars and wondering why I'm here or around a fire on your walks or when you're sitting at the cube or at home. Now that we're, as we're recording this, it's an interesting part of history. It's during COVID-19. We're right in the middle of it, hopefully coming to the end of it, God willing. But uh, what you're seeking there is purpose and that is your meaning to life. And I'm a firm believer that every single human being until their last breath has a purpose on this planet. It changes depending on the season of your life, but know you are essential and that you are worthy and that you are valuable regardless of how you feel about yourself and what. So I just wanted to throw that in there. So let's start this right, journey. Amen. Ready, I'll throw an amen for that one too. <laughs> I just, uh, when you said it, it hit me too. I'm like, everyone is essential. So let's, uh, everyone, everything. And so I think that's beautiful. So my journey started and uh, I'll go through this, uh, fairly quickly cause I want to make it all about the work and the service and very little about me, but my journey started at childhood. I was, I grew up in a good hardworking part of South Atlanta, good blue collar, solid Ford plant, Delta mechanics, uh, Coca-Cola plant, you know, good salt of the earth, hardworking folks. I was a young boy in an all boy neighborhood and experienced, unfortunately, a significant amount of violence and abuse inside and out of the home. And so what happened to me as a young man, um, very quickly, it actually didn't happen quickly. Between the ages of 12 and 18, I became what I hated. I became that violence. I became that abuse. And at 18 years old, instead of going be, going to be the first person to go to college because I had a full ride to Georgia, half a ride to University of Miami and Florida and a few others, um, I ended up committing a violent crime and was looking at seven years in prison. And so um, thought my life was over. Here I was planning on going to college, but I became what I hated. And um, <clears throat> luckily, by the grace of God, um, it was a first-time offense. So they dropped it to two heavy misdemeanors, which pretty much changed my life course because two felonies would have been brutal. And uh, two heavy misdemeanors, sentenced to two years and spent my 19th birthday incarcerated. And so um, what really cool happened to me there is uh, an African-American, a 40-year-old African-American gentleman, which the reason that's important is not many people cross racial lines in jails and in prisons. But he saw something in me, and he basically became my first true male mentor. He protected me. He uh, coached me. He held me up. He gave me inspiration. He didn't want me to become him to where he was in and out of the system his whole life. And so when I got out, <clears throat> I dusted hey, myself Tommy, off. I got a question for you. That, yeah. that first conversation, because you're probably, you're 19, you're trying to figure like, oh my gosh, this is probably not, a, doesn't feel like a safe environment. Here comes a gentleman, right? And you're understanding probably prison culture, like, okay, this could uh -huh. be a problem. Really big problem. And he comes up and he has a conversation with you. And I'm guessing it was not what you expected. Could you bring us back to that moment? Maybe what was going through your mind as you two started to develop a relationship and have these conversations? Totally. And so what he had been doing, and this is the way I remember it, because it was so long ago now, you're talking close to 30 years ago. But the way I remember it is he was watching me from a distance. And because of the type of they put us at both in what we call a work release program. So he and I went out and did jobs during the day. So I cleaned toilets, washed cars for months. So that was my job. But at night he would come back and um, just basically watch me. And I, I just remember him coming up one day and calling me young blood. All right, young blood, we got to talk. And um, I knew by the way he called me young blood that this was going to be an okay talk. Okay. I knew immediately. And then, a friendship was born, you know, basically how you start is what are you here for? Why are you here? You know, most people in prison say there is or jail, say they're innocent. I was not. So I needed to be there. I was held accountable for something I did. And I think he appreciated that. 
but I think he also saw the fear. I think he saw the hope. I think he um, saw the confusion. And ultimately, John, he loved me when I was unable to love myself. And so it was just the ultimate form of love. And um, I couldn't put that together back then. I wasn't conscious enough to know that. Uh, but I could certainly do that today. So that was cool. So just to continue a little bit with the well, story. Yeah, and the reason I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is, I, you know what? It's amazing the power of us when we just reach out to somebody else who, even somebody who might not even be that obvious person that we should take an interest in help because I have some people like that in my life. You know, talk about living a legendary life. You know what it would mm. be to me? At my funeral someday, a hundred people come up and have a story like that where I touch their life or Tommy touched their life or you listening, fill in your name, you touch those lives because of who you were and how you showed up in the world and you actually took an interest in other people and helped them just change their life, even if it's just a little bit. And if we were all doing that, man, we could change a movement that would change the face of politics, business, and society. I'm not, I'm not kidding. So first of all, you took the punchline away. So I'm going to comment on that. Even if each one of us just decided to be one other person's miracle, each one of us, this entire world from our division to our hate, to our fear, to our worries, to our political woes, to our human self-created nonsense. If we just really poured into one other life and became a miracle for them. And if each one of us, all seven or 8 billion, however many there are of us now, if we did that, this world would look drastically different than it does now. So I'm a completely agree, but I have to say, yeah, this well you said stole, you, you stole the punchline there, but um, <laughs> one of my mentors, a gentleman named Aaron Walker was talking about how his father was never a successful businessman, but very, very significant and successful in life. And what I mean by that is when he passed away, Aaron said he and his family stood there for six hours as people walked up and said how much this guy, this particular gentleman served them and helped wow. them and was always the first to be there. So that's a really good uh, segue into quickly how I got the title legendary. It's exactly what you said to me in a world of constant self promotions, especially with social media and media these days, legendary is something that if you and I, John gave it to ourselves, people would laugh us out of the room. So society, our cultures, our peers, our families, they're the ones who award us the title as legendary. And it's not about the amount of money or success you have. It's about, did you leave them in this world better than we found it? And so we could be the great legends of the world, you know, think the MLKs, the Jesuses, and, you know, the people who've inspired billions and millions and touched millions of lives. Those are, you don't have to be rich or famous, um, but there's also been some horrific legends in life. And uh, we all know the names of those folks too. So it's something given to us by society. And for me, this particular playbook, the book Legendary, is about how to we live with purpose, significance, meaning without compromising our ambition and live a holistic life of happiness, hope, love, and success. And so that's what the book's all about. So thank you for letting me share that, brother. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so glad you did because it's such a great thing to reinforce because, well, we're, and we're going to get into some great subjects too. You know, when you're living a life, right? So the use of that life outlives your life, right? That's how, what I think significance is because you talk about living a significant life. The thing is though, for many of us, just the way we've been raised, our experiences, our identity, our mindsets, our beliefs, how we interact with other people, certain personalities, you know, people with different beliefs of ours, we actually allow all these things to, I think, really hold us back 
from living that life fully alive, living that life of significance, legendary life. And I'd love for you to share a little bit, Tommy, what are some, you know, as you've been on this mission to really move people to that level of life, you know, what are some of the things that maybe you personally had to start working through to move toward that so then you could help other people? Truth be told, even to this day, and I call, so I am, as we speak on this podcast, 46 years old. So I've been working on me, my emotional, my mental, my spiritual, and my physical fortress, like really solidifying the foundation as Tommy Breedlove as a human being, as a man, as a husband, as a hopeful leader of this movement. I think it starts with, I have to spend a significant amount of time investing in myself daily. And when I don't do that, the the train gets off the tracks really quickly. So at 36 years old, and I don't want to, we haven't got there yet, but you know, I found myself at the top of the corporate ladder. And when the money, the power, the fame, the next big paycheck, the corner office, the fancy shiny things didn't fulfill me. I turned to everything else because I didn't deal with any of those wounds and demons, fears, insecurities, not good enough. You know, I was this armored, tough alpha male, couldn't ask for help, tough guy, important guy, uh, prestigious guy. And at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, it was just this little boy screaming to see me, hear me, love me. And I did it in all the wrong ways. And so when I went through that massive transformation and found that the more I poured into myself, and I mean with coaches and mentors and readings and prayers and meditations and gratitude journals and daily readings and exercise, I've got this toolbox that I spend every single day just to make myself a little bit better emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically every single day so that then I can go serve my family, my clients, my the people that I talk to, podcast audiences, whatever. But I, I believe it starts and it's not selfish. I think so many of us get caught up and uh, it's a bit interesting. We'll invest in the stock market. We'll invest in people we don't know. We'll invest mm-hmm. in our careers. We'll invest, we'll invest in every bit. We'll even invest our time in folks we don't know. But at the end of the time, we put ourselves last. And I think we need to redo that and we need to put ourselves first and get ourselves as strong and build that foundation as strong as we can because it's not if life suffering happens, it's when. And as those things happen throughout our lives, I mean, you've experienced a massive, massive, massive uh, transitional point in your life where you were basically going to die. Yeah. I thought I was going to lose everything, my marriage, my career, my respect, my self-esteem. I thought I'd lost it all. I literally thought I'd lost it all. This is after and, prison? Uh, this is 16 years after prison when I'm at the top of the financial world, man. <laughs> oh, man, what happened? <laughs> so um, let me do the quick transition from okay. prison to there. Yep. So right after jail, I uh, dusted myself off. I went to work for a nuclear waste container factory during the day for $6 an hour. Community college at night. Did that for a couple years. Ended up transitioning back to the University of Georgia into a business degree. And so I went from jail to Deloitte and Touche in three years by a lot of hard work, a lot of sweat, a lot of blood, a lot of, uh, a lot of, I was very poor back then too. So I just worked really hard based on myself at my work ethic and and the mentoring that gentleman Tony in jail had done for me. Wow. So now fast forward, I thought, you know, now I'm in the professional world here. I am working at Deloitte, which is to this day, I think the largest at now, I think it is the largest financial consulting and public accounting firm in the world. Yeah, I think so. So I, there I was, I thought if I worked hard, I made a lot of money, got to the top of the building, corner office, and, you know, had all these things, the, the car, the money, the prestige, the title, respect. And so that's what I did. I just outworked everybody. I was that guy of ye who turns the lights off last wins. 
And then again, at 36 years old, there I am at a principal at a very large Southeastern firm. I'd left Deloitte and uh, was helping with their international practice and still had not dealt with any of that stuff that was anchoring me down. And when again, the power and the money didn't fulfill me, I turned to everything else dark. And so I found myself uh, one day, probably after doing some big financial audit in a multi-million dollar company or some M&A deal for millions of dollars, the next week there I am after three days of complete binging and debauchery, looking up at the blue sky in downtown Atlanta, half dressed, didn't know where my car was, literally in a ditch, thinking, my God, how did I get there, here? And, so you're um, literally that, in a ditch. Literally in a ditch, looking up at the blue sky, confused, dazed, didn't know what was happening. But at that point, I think it was a combination of God and that little boy, that little boy, Tommy, who mm. was, was, had a little tough time growing up, said, you got to get up and you got to be better and you got to do something different. And it took that for me to say enough is enough. I'm not going to, whatever this lie is I'm living and whatever these armor and mask are, this tough guy, important guy, cool guy's killing me. And so I went home and told my wife, I was like, this is the man you're married. Um, real quick, cool story. We had been going through all these, uh, of course, marriage counselors. <laughs> right. And about the third time of each marriage counselor, they like, Heather, you need to, Heather's my wife. Heather, you need to stay home. And Tommy, you need to come in alone next time. I, at first, I thought they were going to tell me, well, she's the problem. And then I realized they saw something really. That's what you saw. wanted to hear, right? That makes <laughs> it easier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but one of them basically said this, Tommy, there's this place in Nashville, Tennessee that can do more for you in seven years than I can do in 10 years. And when... I woke up in that ditch. I remember that. And I called him and I was like, get me in there. I'm going. And that's where I really started knowing my biggest desires, thoughts, insecurities, fears that I wasn't alone. They cut me open for four days and put me back together for three emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And since that day forward, I have made me my full-time job. So let me ask you a question in that moment. Cause there's, I think there's so many of us that really resist almost submitting to either the work that we have to do to make the change. We know we don't like our results, but there's a lot of stuff in our life that feels pleasurable. We enjoy it in the moment. We don't like to change, especially some of the things you're talking about. What was that like going through those three, four days for you? Um, so <clears throat> the actual three or four days, it just started innocently with uh, me. So what happens with a lot of us, we, it's like light attracts light and dark attracts dark. Mm. And so the people outside of my professional world that I was running with, they were in as much pain and darkness and fear and worry and anger that I was. And I think deep down, I was really still angry. And so, mm. you know, we would find every nook and cranny and hole to climb down into and to just hopefully numb the pain um, both chemically, physically, anger, putting ourselves in very, very dangerous situations to hopefully just feel, right? To mm. feel something because the money and power, that didn't light us up anymore. We used it during that time. So I just knew none of that was ever really me. And I was just masking things to fit in, to feel cool, to be important, to feel powerful. And at the end of the day, I didn't realize that the power was within me all the time. It's kind of like Dorothy with the shoes. You know, the power was within you all the time to go home. Right. And so when I woke up, I just think it was um, that little boy in the voice of God said, you got to do better. 
And that's where I decided to transfer my life. And the results after that, I didn't just leave the firm at that time, but the results that started appearing mm-hmm. were uncanny compared to what they were just two years prior. Good results. In what way? So it's kind of crazy. So I stayed with the firm. That was 36. So I stayed with the firm another four years, uh, yeah. 36 to 40. Uh, my marriage became the most rock solid it had ever been. Um, I went from you know, her loving me when I couldn't love me to the most, and still to this day, the most rock solid it's ever been. Those negative friends just started disappearing out of my life and the most loving, abundant, successful people that I could imagine. If I would have shown you my network pre-transition and after transition, it's night and day from a power standpoint and from just an abundance love standpoint. So friendships, network, marriage, best that it had ever been. Professional career, I went from principal to senior partner, to equity partner, to international practice leader, to elected to the board of directors at 39 years old of a very large financial consulting firm in Southeast United States. So at 39, just by being a better man, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and living within my value systems, and then serving others in those value systems and empowering others to hope, inspire them to do the same. My financial career, my professional career, my friendships, my happiness, my peace of mind, Mm. all went up 100x to the point at 39. The rest of my, with the exception of one, I think most of the people in my board of directors were above 60, with the exception of one. And there I am at 39 years old. And so it just goes to show that if we do the work, and it's work, you know, becoming solid. And I'm still doing it to this day. I'm 10 years in this journey, and I'll never fully get there but I'm going to work every day to be a little bit better than I was yesterday so that I can serve and, and lean into others. And so real quickly, how I got to where I am now, when I went through that massive transition in, in my network, entrepreneurs, corporate executives, bankers, lawyers, advertising, you know, my network, mm-hmm. and my network mm-hmm. was, I had a national and international footprint. So all of these alpha male and females started reaching out to me saying, look, you didn't give up your ambition or drive. You seem happy. You seem peaceful. You're very boundary. I went from working 90 hours a week, probably down to about 35 and had ultra success. And so they all so reached you out. You worked more, more than in half and got and m- doubled better my results. results. <laughs> doubled them really. And all of these people in my network started reaching out for help and asking me how I did it. And that's when I knew that this movement this uh, need, this pain was something real mm-hmm. and ultimately started my one-on-one coaching and mastermind practice, which has led to this book legendary, which is now a wall street journal and USA Today bestseller because this is the book that literally saved my life. And I've seen it now with hundreds, even thousands of people on stage in my masterminds or one-on-one coaching. I see these tools work when people work this book, it works. And it's a simple stories. It's a simple read. It's easy tools to implement in your life. And it will have a 100x profound impact. I've seen it time and time again. But again, you said it, it takes work. Mm-hmm. And change is very, very <clears throat> difficult, especially when you're not in significant amounts of pain. Change is extremely difficult. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, what you talk about and everybody listening, I found the same thing, right? After my accident and I was laying there in my hospital bed and I was convinced when the surgeon came in to tell me how to do my first brain surgery, what he shared with me, even though I'd just been in God's presence, he told me I was going to be healed, right? This is like the day prior, but here comes in the neurosurgeon and says, well, we got to take off your whole skull because there's so much damage. We got to fix everything. My wife is sitting next to my bed and he starts telling her what the outcomes look like. 
And here's what I heard was that next weekend, it's going to be my funeral. Mm-hmm. I started playing the whole movie and I started playing, hey, if I knew Tommy, what would he say at the front of the church and my friends and my wife and my kids? And guess what? Everybody says nice stuff at the front of the church because that's what you do. Then I started thinking, hey, what would all these people that knew me say at the back of the church when they're rooting around for the free roast beef sandwiches and potato salad before they go to whatever's next on their calendar? But hey, what would they say one and two and five years later, right? My accident was now seven years ago. Would they even remember my name? Like, hey, what was that guy's name? Oh, yeah, John. What a bummer, dude. How do you get killed, horse or what? Anyway, (laughs) hey, how you doing, Tommy? How's business, right? But so here's the thing. This work, you're right, there's a lot of work to be done. What I realized was in that moment, I would have described myself going into this moment. I was kind of like where you were at Deloitte. I never was a, a partier like that. Um, but my drug was work. 80, 90. Mm. I, well, you know what? I always, my motto was, was I was my primary one too. That was my primary one too. Yeah. I my motto was, it. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'll, I'll work anybody around me. And that's what I did. And guess what? I'd created this lifestyle that I didn't get to participate in. So I started resenting my wife because I was working so hard and she was enjoying life. Why not? But I resented it, even though I gave her that opportunity. So that just tells you how small I was, but I didn't know it at the time. I had never been more probably successful. I was at the top of my business career and I don't think I'd ever been more miserable. And I couldn't tell you why I can now. It's because you know what? I'll never forget, uh, Tommy, when I was uh, recovering and I was working with a halftime coach, Jeff Spadafora. I'll never forget this, sitting over, or, over coffee. You know, sometimes it's that one question, and that's what I love, the work you're doing and the coaching you're doing. Because sometimes, guys, working with a coach over six months, it's one or two questions that absolutely change the entire trajectory of your life. And the one that Jeff asked me, because I said to him, I said, as I'm recovering, I can only work a few hours a week. I got to figure out what's next because I can't go back to being, you know, running a company that I was running. And I said, I got to figure out how I'm wired so I can figure out what I need to do next. It's all about the works, right? And he, he looked at me and says, John, I think you need to figure out two things. He goes, what if you asked yourself this differently? He goes, first of all, you were in God's presence. So what if you really dug in and studied who he is so you can have a friendship and a relationship? He goes, instead of asking yourself how you're wired, why don't you ask yourself, how did God wire you so you can get in touch with that best version of yourself? And when you do that, then this calling, this purpose, all these other things that you're trying to find like a treasure hunt are going to be revealed to you because you got it backwards. And I got to tell you, for me, Tommy, that made all the difference in the world. But then I also went on this journey And I love that you're doing this for other men because, and here's a good question. Let's say everybody out there who's kind of listening right now, right? Like they're thinking, hey, I should do a program like this. I should connect with Tommy. I should do something like John did, but they're just not there yet, right? The guys that you have found, like what are those things that are holding them back? And if they really understood it, could unleash a life like an awesome life, a legendary life that they only imagined of as they're laying in bed at night looking up at the ceiling? I think the things that hold us back, cause I, and I can countless, countless, countless men that I've set in this office or in my masterminds, I think it's fear. Mm. I think it's... At, what, what kind of fear is that? <clears throat> um, I think we as men crave respect. And mm. I think asking for help and saying we don't have it all figured out 
or showing some vulnerability in our businesses, in our finances, in our relationships, because 100% of the men, it doesn't matter if they're earlier in their career and make $75,000 a year, and I've got four, five, nine-digit net worth guys. They all, in some capacity, because it's two human beings struggling their relationships with their significant other or their families. A hundred percent. It's not. So I think it's the fear in our, the respect we crave and the fear of being vulnerable to taking down our competitive conquering warrior nature. And that's just mm. real. I'm not saying for all men, I, 90% of us though, we like to compete. We like to conquer. We crave respect. And so asking for help, telling people we don't have it figured off, getting off of the white horse and once you do it, and I think that's what makes guys like you and me so powerful, John, is here's what I give. I was a corporate executive, top of the game, and I think what you and I do, and we're both alphas. I, I mean, you're a fighter pilot, for God's sakes, and you got hurt riding a horse. That's what alphas do, you know? I mean, <laughs> but we're alphas in the right way. We lead mm-hmm. with service and significance. And But what we do is we give these proud men the gift of going second. And what I mean by that is when I pull up my kimono, And I talk about my mistakes and we've all got our mistakes. I talk about some of the things that were done to me and that I've done that I wish I could go back and redo. But I talk about the steps that I've done to go forward and the results that I've have. Once we get vulnerable, raw, real, authentic, and honest, I think men also crave connection. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes isolation is the enemy to excellence when it comes to us. And so I think when you and I get real and wrong and I say, we don't have it all figured out. We've made mistakes. We've had these deep, dark desires that, you know, we just do. But here's what we do to mitigate them. Here's what we do to overcome them. And here's how we help serve you to be the best leader, man, husband, and father that you could possibly be. Once they hear your story, and I'm talking to all men and women out there, once they hear our stories, it gives them the gift of going second and opening up because that builds trust and connection. So I think it's that initial step. And you said it right. So here I am 10 years into this journey. I still have a coach that I work with one-on-one once a month and I still belong. I pay to be in a mastermind because these men and my friends and these, these coaches, they just, they help me find blind spots and they help make me better. And so if they're not ready, here's what I would say. And that's okay. If you're not ready, first of all, I have to say this too, because I don't think enough of us are saying this. Every single one of us has our fears, insecurities, our deep, dark desires, our, our wants, our needs to be seen, heard, loved, respected, and that all manifests itself in multiple different ways in our lives. So I need to say that. Know that you're not alone in your fears. And we all have it. The two great men on this, this podcast. Agree. We, we have them. We have them. Still and do. We have our, and we Still have our working demons. through it. Oh, absolutely. And we will to, the, to our last <laughs> breath, but we're working through it. So first of all, know you're not alone and acknowledge that. The second thing is if you're not ready, I'll give you the three things that literally have changed my life. Coaches and masterminds take me to the next level, but the three things I read every single book I can get my hands on. Books like Think and Grow Rich, books mm-hmm. like my book, Legendary. I mean, there's so many great business mindset, relationship. There's so much wisdom out there. Read everything you can get your hands on because those who don't read are no better than those who can't. The second thing I would do is start a gratitude practice tomorrow. And I'm talking about a formal gratitude practice, which gets you in a place of love and thankful for what you do have. And it gets you in the present moment. And the final thing I would do is tell you to meditate and meditate on if if it's scripture you need to meditate on, if it's wisdom you need to meditate, or you just need to get silent because it makes you proactive and not reactive, gets you in the present moment and helps reduce that anxiety, that fear, and that worry that we have. And so those are the three things I would tell you you for a quick sidebar on that. Yeah, of course, brother. 
because meditation for me sounded kind of woo-woo. I mean, seriously, <laughs> right? Yeah, I get it. Uh, I didn't understand it. It has been powerful for me for some of the things you've said. If somebody hasn't meditated before, just heard you say that, could you walk them through just two minutes on, hey, what would that even look like? Let's say I just read some scripture or I, I just, you know, what, what would I, how do I meditate? So the first thing about meditation is don't judge your meditation because I call it the Tommy go round. <laughs> Our brains are going 2 million miles a minute. And we're always planning the future or thinking about the past. And it's like, think about the next thing I'm going to say. So what meditation does for you, and there's all sorts of form from guided to silent and everything in between. So meditation gets you completely and it takes time. It's a practice. You're not going to go to the gym and be completely physically fit. So it takes time to build this mind and soul muscles. And what it looks like is you usually go into some deep breathing Deep breathing. So that gets you in your body, gets you present, gets you where your feet are. Cause you know, we're, we're all like, we're out the future somewhere with our brains. So first you start usually with some deep breathing and then you can meditate on a particular scripture you like or a particular piece of wisdom. And what I do with my clients is I teach meditation to a lot of corporations and clients. And we're actually coming out with a series of seven meditations for business people. Hmm. But what I do is I get them in their body breathing and then I get them concentrating on their, we take them to a place of gratitude, get them here right now. And then through guided meditations, as we help them visualize, you know, whether it's a relationship issue, a business partnership issue, a tough conversation, and we take you through this guided process to get you present, to get you prepared, to get you peaceful, to get you calm. And to me, the benefits of meditation, there's thousands of different types. It's not woo-woo. The greats have been practicing it since the beginning of mm -hmm. time. Gets you proactive and not reactive. And that's a problem we have in society is we react. We're not proactive. Gets you completely here right now. It helps decrease stress exponentially, helps, helps, again, get you right here, right now. And finally, it helps you build some wisdom, some heart, and really gets you centered into your body. And there's this place, and it's hard to describe, and this is going to sound really woo-woo. You found it when you were hurt. Mm -hmm. There's this place. It takes practice to get there, and it could be a fleeting seconds. But there's this place you get to where you have this overwhelming peace and connection to all that is. Eventually, when you do it enough, and once you feel that, it changes your life to know that you're okay and something bigger than you's got you. And so that's that's a you, that's a really powerful it's, place to get there. <laughs> you know, it's almost like your own that place. I it's like your own personal nuclear reactor, and you actually just somebody just pulled through the breaker from off to on. Mm -hmm. I call that place convergence, and that's where oftentimes when I'm meditating, it's like. Uh, God's will, um, who he is, who he's made me to be, my passions, my strengths, my values, my purpose, and they're all existing in the same place, and they're all in harmony, and they're all in alignment. And when I'm in that place and I have a decision to make, even though I might not know the answer, I might not know the solution, I have incredible clarity on maybe just that next small step. And I got to tell you, just knowing that next small step that I need to take today, especially with the uncertainty that's in the world today, has allowed me to move through this and stay focused on, because here's what I realized, Tommy, is we're going to all, well, life is the same, but we're going to move through this whole time with this virus. Uh, and this is any time we face adversity. You're never going to be status quo. You are always going to either improve or you're going to go backwards. Spiritually, Amen. your relationships, who you are, your leadership potential, 
uh, your business acumen. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to improve economically when we go through like this, but you can set right now is a time where we can set ourselves up. So if we look at any kind of adversity or basically each day of our life saying, okay, well, tomorrow, it's my choice today that either tomorrow I'm going to be a little bit gooder or a little bit worser, right? And if I just choose gooder a little bit more often, the results over time can be legendary. I was going to say 100%. epic, but I, I, got, I had to throw in legendary, you know what I'm saying? Legendary. You're absolutely right. And here's the tough part is you'll appreciate this as a fighter pilot is there's those of us who walk to the fire and those of us who walk away from the fire. And this is the time if, and I'm going to be a little hard for a second because this is my job because I wish someone would have been a lot harder on me a lot sooner. Uh, I've only been on 11 years on the right side of this goodness track, but here's the truth. If you're not happy with where you are economically, in your career, in your relationships, in your mindset? Are you angry? Are you upset? Are you judgmental? Are you envious? Are you jealous? Are you a victim? Are you a martyr? And those are big words. I want you to go find the, the, the closest mirror and I want you to look deep into it. And that's your problem. And so the reason, I know that's a little harsh, but if I can do it, and I've seen hundreds and hundreds of other people just lean in a little bit and start working each day to get a little better, a little bit better financially, a little bit better educated, a little bit better emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. And it's small steps done every single day. They have a compound of interest effect in one year from now, just with day, 30 minutes to an hour or less a day, just a total investment in yourself you will be 100x better than you were a year before in all aspects of your life. But it is hard work. It requires great discipline. And that's why I think great coaches come in to help hold you accountable and give you those tools. But it takes hard work. But anybody on earth could do it. But here's the sad part. Only about 10% of us do it. And only about 5% of that really, really do it. And I think that's what separates the greats from the mediocre. Yeah, and... It's interesting you say that. I think when I took, you know, my life was miserable. I told you the smoldering discontent, right? It was through, and I hope somebody doesn't have to be thrown into a hospital bed for two years, but mm. it was a process for me to realize that the results that I had in my life were completely my responsibility because that for me was actually hard to accept because that meant that to get a different result, I would personally have to change versus getting better and just going and working hard again. And I got to tell you, that is the power of being in community, like you talked about with the mastermind group and with the coach who understands it, who's gone through the process. For me, I got to tell you, Tommy, and like what you're doing, it's invaluable. So, you know, if it's not, you know, Tommy and his mastermind groups or, you know, hundreds I, of others, I know a lot of my clients are go find some, you know what, tell me if you think this is true, because I believe it is. If I got myself in a mess because of my stinking thinking and my bad habits. Then I have the ego to think that because I think I'm smart, I can get myself out of the mess without help. Um, every time I've ever tried to do that, I actually end up in a worse hole. <laughs> Would you it's agree? The definition of insanity. It's the absolute <laughs> definition of insanity. And there's a level of perfectionism there. There's a level of control. Neither mm -hmm. one of those exists. You think you're in control. You think you can get the perfect. You think no one notices chances are not only will you not accomplish what you think you can, you'll take two steps back. And that's just the way life works. It takes a village, it takes a tribe. Um, it takes mentorship. It takes coaching. It takes what I call your inner circle. Those who you surround yourself with on your personal and professional level. 
So it takes a village. And I think for a lot of us, and I want to say it again, a lot of us men, isolation is the enemy of excellence. And we start isolating and think we got it. You're going to die on that white horse. And chances are you're going to take the people you care most about down with you. And I'm going to finally say this money, career, success, and all power. Those things are important, but they're not everything. And if you're not strong mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationship, physically, those things are meaningless. And so I want you to be as successful and powerful as possible because you can make great impact and touch so many others. But if you're not willing, if you think that the title and the money and the prestige is going to validate you or give you long-term fulfillment in your heart and soul, trust me, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people who thought the same and they've all been wrong. And so we must work on our mental, emotional, and spiritual fortress because here's the bad thing. And we've seen it with COVID. We've seen it with natural disasters. We see it with death. We see it divorce. Our title, our money, our respect, even our family and friends can be taken away from us in the blink of an eye. And what are you going to be left standing on if those things go away? If your money and respect and your title and your work that you gave, that you, you gave so much importance to, what if they're taken away from you in a matter of seconds? What are you standing on then? And that's what you and I are talking about, John, is building that strong foundation to be ready for when the suffering of life comes and so that we can lead and serve the best we can. Yeah. Well, well said. And so everybody, you can find Tommy at Tommy Breedlove, B-R-E-E-D-L-O-V-E.com, TommyBreedlove.com. The book is legendary. Is there any other place? Where can I connect you with you on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook? All of those are Tommy Breed Love. We have really upped our social media from strategies to tactics to goodness to light. Uh, we're one of the people that we, our aspirations and what we actually execute on is putting inspiration, simple tools, and light out into this world in a place that's a, a little dark at the moment. Also, for your audience, if you go to TommyBreedLove.com forward slash gifts, that's G-I-F-T-S, um, you'll get two free chapters of the book because of the time we're in. We're giving away the financial confidence and, and mindset chapters. So if you want to build toward financial confidence and ultimately financial freedom and develop your money muscles, both mentally and emotionally, that chapter is available for you for free, as well as the mastering your mindsets to help overcome that, uh, that what I call it, the Tommy go round that says we're not good enough. So we're giving those away at TommyBreedLove.com forward slash gifts. Uh, here within the next uh, short amount of time, we're about to start going, doing a lot of Facebook lives to just throw mm -hmm. out some wisdom and goodness and help people start building those muscles we talked about today. So if you go to my professional page and press like, you'll see those coming in the near future. And we're super excited about that too. It's just another place of service for us. So yeah, follow me at Tommy Breedlove. And, and I believe all of us, all of us, all of us have the ability and the tools with some guidance and, and some support to build and live legendary lives. And I hope regardless, if I'm not your flavor, find a flavor that if I'm strawberry and you need vanilla, go find vanilla, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but go do something, you know, go do something. <laughs> awesome. Well, with that, Tommy, thank you so much. And I would, I, I think, uh, I mean, just everybody out there listening, just think about this. If you're, you know, if it's just a year from now, whenever you happen to hear this and you're looking back and saying, okay, oh my goodness, that was the best year of my life. Just what were some of those elements that if you were with your best friend and you would be sharing, you know, what would that be? If you just sit there and kind of daydreamed about like, you know, something that's realistic, not, Hey, you just won the lottery, but like what would be going on in your life a year from now where you could not be, let's say it's an old college friend or whatever. And you're, you haven't gotten together for a whole year. And you can't wait to see him to tell him what's going on in your life. So think about that life 
because I think that might give you the motivation to just reach out, go find a coach, jump in a mastermind group, read Tommy's book, because what I'm telling you, because I've done it, Tommy's done it, he's helped other people do it. That life, being able to share those things with your people, your friends in the future is absolutely in your control. So whether you Mm -hmm. get those results or don't is a choice that you're making today in the present. Amen. That's all I got to that, brother. Well said. <laughs> I could I could have said it any better myself. And um, I just hope if we touch one life today and they take massive action or even small action, I don't want to say massive action because people get intimidated, but one small thing, I promise you do that one small thing for the next 365 mm-hmm. days, your life is going to change in so many different, all the right ways. And so uh, nothing but love for you, nothing but respect for you, nothing but hope and grace for you. So here's to building and living legendary lives together. Yeah, right on. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you, brother. 